when I was a kid, I'd come off a tournament round or whatever and had a bad day. My dad would go, did you at least have fun out there? 100% of the time I would say yes, but I didn't always mean it. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another car train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. We've got our other co-host, Matt Cermak, with me. What's up, Ev? It's good to be back. I'm ready for a deep dive. This is going to be fun. This is something we've never talked about for an entire episode. So we're excited to get to this. It's going to be totally unscripted. We have no idea where this conversation is going to go. But first, if you're new, welcome aboard. If your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers. Enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, all the way to someone like you and me, an everyday golfer, to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. Sir, this episode, we're recording in mid-March. It's going to come out in late March. Every episode of The Partrain is presented by our friends at Roback Activewear. And I think one of my favorite things about Roback is arguably maybe more than any activewear or golf apparel brand, they release new styles every week. And leading up to the Masters might be the best they do all oh, yeah. year. So We're just wait, waiting for that drop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody wants something Masters themed, whether it's we've released Masters themed hats, they have Azalea polos, hoodies, they've got master's chair prints on their polos. I think anything you could ever want, they make. And I haven't even seen all of the stuff that they're releasing. So I'm waiting on the edge of my seat, just like you might. So I love go to rollback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off all the master's themed gear, among other things that they have, hoodies, joggers, vests, whatever. And if that code doesn't work, that means you've entered it before. So maybe, you know, use your wife's email, use someone else's, do whatever you have to do because you deserve that discount. Okay. So rowback.com, enter the code train or tap the link in our bio at the par train on Instagram. And you'll see a little rowback link in there that'll auto apply in your cart. If you have a terrible memory and you can't remember that code. So thanks to rowback as always for the support. All right. Let's preview this idea of this yeah, episode for a second. I agree. So Sarm, you came to me and you were like, you know, I think every episode is designed to help you enjoy the ride. That's the mission of our show. And everybody enjoyment is different, right? What does that mean? But I think we thought to ourselves, how can we unpack this idea of enjoying the ride? What does that mean? What helps us enjoy the ride? What gets in our way of enjoying the ride and pull mm -hmm. out some central themes so that it, I guess really the real purpose of this episode is if you're really struggling this is a great episode to maybe bookmark and come Absolutely. back to. Absolutely. I mean, I think we always want to dive in and, and really understand, believe, learn from what, you know, what we're saying, you know, what we're talking about, the guests we're bringing on. And I think you and I've had a good back and forth here and I'm excited to really get into this because this is, it, 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 it's not that easy. It's a, it's a little complicated. It can be pretty incredible. It's just a lot, you know, and I think we're, we're, we're onto something here. Yeah. So, so we'll just dive in where I started thinking about this guys is, you know, last week we interviewed Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott. They are the founders of vision for uh, 54, which by the time this episode comes out, it would have been the episode that dropped before this one. So I guess last week, if you're listening to this, the week it comes out, 
they said something interesting on another podcast that I learned in preparation for our interview, which was they start with all of their players, anyone from Annika Sorenstam to a 20 handicap. And they ask one question, why do you play golf? Yeah. Why do you play? And Sir Mac and I have talked about this off air. It's probably something you haven't thought about. So Sir Mac, you've been playing a lot longer than me. You've been playing since you were a little kid. Yeah. I started later. Let's start with you. I know this is something you haven't really even thought about. So guess what, guys? We're going to go through this live <laughs> on the air. Sir Mac doesn't even know his answer. Yeah. So we're going to unpack this because I think it's important to understand why you play, first of all, why you enjoy it, when you don't enjoy it, and all everything in between to really get to the root of helping you enjoy the ride. So Sir, why do you think, maybe two-part question for you, why did you start playing golf when you were a kid? And why do you still play now? Uh, no, it's a good uh, overview of, I think, of where this is going to go. And like you said, this it's, it's, how do I answer this in somewhat of a you know cohesive way? Well, I started playing golf when I was little, like three years old. My dad got me into it. I have three brothers. I had one brother at the time, and then Joe, and then Mike and Pat came. So Joe was doing it. I think my dad always felt golf's a, just my favorite, my favorite game in the world. It's a great thing to get my kids into. And I think a lot of parents think that get your kids into golf. You know, it's something you can play your entire life. So I got into it just because it was a family thing. And then I grew to enjoy it enough to keep playing it as a sport. Anything you get better at, you generally enjoy, not always, but, you know, we see myself get better. So got into it because of the family, started to get better at it, kept playing. And then, you know, by middle school, mid grade school, I mean, I was competing and I was enjoying playing tournaments and then it just became part of my DNA. I knew by high school it'd be my only sport. I would drop to other sports. So as a kid, I got into it because it was just, a, it was a family thing. Good to play sports as a kid. I started to get good at it and I saw that and I was, I was okay with doing the work, putting the practice in, taking lessons, making, you know, making sacrifices. That was a big thing. Getting up early on Saturday and Sunday mornings. So, but I really liked it. And you know what so else you I liked? liked you liked having something to work at. I like something to work at and I look back, it was incredible memories of my playing with my brothers and my family and then all the friends I got to meet. And I think we'll get into this part too, right? I was like, this is really, really cool. You know, I made this whole friend group through golf and I think there's something, you can do that through other sports, but something unique about that. So yeah, well, that's, I would say as, as a kid, that's kind of the background and kind of the reasons I like basketball. I like soccer, but golf is the one that was sticking with me. What do you think of that rambling answer so far for part one? I mean, it makes sense, right? Whatever you start to get good at, I was the same way with baseball. Right. My dad always said, it's always easier. I was a, a great defensive player. So I had great range. I would always tell my dad to throw me crazy hard grounders up the middle backhand to show my range. And of course, I enjoyed that work because I was good at it. There's some ego in that too, of like, watch me go, look at me go. I, I can get ground balls that other people can't, right? Was it as fun to practice hitting, you know, or work off the tee? Cause I wasn't as, you know, I wasn't as good at that. Uh, no, it wasn't. So that's, that's definitely, that's yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely a part of that. And honestly, something that maybe we might come back to because what happens when you're playing really good golf, what do you want to do? You want to keep playing, I mean, right? Yeah. You want to play again. The, that's the addiction. Or and again, just, 
that one amazing shot. You've almost right? caught the dragon almost, <laughs> and you want to keep it going, right? Now, what do you want to do when you're playing really awful? You want to take a break. Get right? away. So I think that's definitely a fact for, I think, all humans is it's more fun to do things that you're good at. I think that's that's fair. Let me ask you this. It started out as something that you didn't necessarily say, I want to do that. It was just kind of like presented to you because the family was doing it and you begun to get good and then enjoy it. You have a choice now, but it's also kind of tied to your identity. You're a Cermak, you know, you're kind of right. known as this guy that played golf in college. It's the thing that you're maybe best at. Why well, do yeah. you play now? Well, just before we get there, cause like come fifth, sixth grade, I'm pretty good. Now it's like, I have this goal to play division one college golf. When did you first shoot par even par? I first would have shot even par. Well, I mean, given the tees, but when I was nine years old, you nine know, years old. Okay. short tees. Yeah. I remember when I was 13, I shot 400 par 68 from regular tees, you know? And then I was like, all right, like the, now I've got this, it's, it's kind of wrapped up in this goal to hit. Mm. And then I played college golf and then realized I wasn't going to play professional golf, but I'm going to continue to play. And so why do I play now? I, I still love it. I was burnt out from it, but I still love it. I know how important it is to a lot of what I do. And why am I on this show with you? Like, you know, cause I'm connected to this game and, I get to use it for business. I get to continue to make new friends and new relationships and get to travel, right? It's kind of like the start was more of like this mission. And this is just like this. And now I'm like kind of reaping the rewards a little bit, mm -hmm. you know? But that doesn't mean I don't get mad out there still, right? But because um, that's what it does to you. I play golf because I kind of want to carry out what all the, I want to almost like validate and pay homage to all those years of practicing and playing and spending all that time and taking advantage of all the things it offers now. And it's, like I said, this show, getting to continue to play with my friends, family, business contacts, travel around the country, all those things. What do you it think? It sounds like you almost feel like it would be a dishonor to everything that you put in it's a good way if you stopped playing. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like you'd almost lose A disservice. It? I'd be doing a disservice to myself. Do you feel like because you'd lose your ability to play and then all that other time was a waste? Maybe. Maybe. Or... I just, um, it'd be strange for me to get away from it. And it almost like I'm throwing that out the door, you know? All right. So let me dig in on this. Yeah. You mentioned kind of the things you love about being associated with the game. What do you love the most about actively playing it? It's a great question. And I want the uh, listener to be thinking about this for them too, because I think it helps all this mental game stuff. Just a quick segue. You can't really progress and understand I have to do this with myself on a regular basis because I have such a deep relationship with the game and what it means to me that if you don't understand why you do it, sometimes you won't know why you're reacting the way you are when it goes poorly yeah, or when it goes I, great. So no, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. I would say I still continue to love the challenge of the sport, even though I don't practice like I used to. I still think I can get better because in some ways maybe I'm a different player than I was, or I know things now that I did then, or I look at things differently. So I love that challenge of going back out every time I do and thinking like, this could be the day, you know? 
and honestly, I also, I still, I just absolutely, you know what else is, so that's addicting. You know what else is addicting? The memories you make on the golf course, the memories you make with the people you care about the most. And, uh, and then obviously I, I can't be on the show if I don't play, you know, but that's, that's just normal. But, but also, and maybe that is a little intertwined too. Like, you know, everything we try to do on this show is just learn, learn, gain knowledge, brainstorm, figure things out. And ev- look, every time you go out to the range, right. Every time I'm out there, we have a learning, right. And I think it's yeah. talk about a disservice. Hey, Ev, I haven't teed it up in uh, six months, but uh, you know, <laughs> I think I answered that actually. Okay. What do you think? I want to hear you now. <laughs> well, let's, before I go to me, let's figure out what that, what your answer was. Do you think crystallizing it down? I think maybe what you're saying, you tell me if this is right from what I know about you. I think you love being a grinder. I think you've grown to love being the guy that can hit it wherever and get up and down. I think you love making pars from tough spots. I think you love the challenge of getting up and down. I think you love the challenge of challenging yourself when you might feel really uncomfortable or maybe your back hurts but you find a way to put together a decent round in tough conditions. To me, of all the the episodes we've done, you seem to get the most fired up when you turn, you get the most out of a round that you didn't think you could shoot what you did. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's pretty fair. And I think that goes into the loving the challenge, right? Golf is challenging in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then dealing with those challenges, how you overcome them, how you respond to them, not making excuses. And you pointed something out. I know you probably get into it. You really learn when what you learn on the golf course, you learn a lot about your personal life, your social life, your professional life. Yeah. Right. Like you can walk away from that 18 hole round that was in the rain or playing with a rental set of clubs and you did some good things. You did some bad things, but so that really does connect back. So yeah, I think it's a good call. So you play because you like working at something. You like the challenge of it. It's never easy. No matter how many years you've done it. Right. The funny thing is sometimes being people like a, people listen to this could be like, they're not big golfers. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know? But it's like, it's true. It's like, sometimes yeah. the more, you know, about the game, the smarter you get, the more knowledgeable you get, the more time you put in sometimes the harder it can get. Absolutely. I mean, I Trotty I'm- told us that a couple of weeks ago about Justin Rose, Justin Rose, the more he got ingrained in technology and equipment, his game was hurt from it. Right. Yeah. We're all responsible. Anybody who's tried to play better golf is responsible in some way. Even the greatest players of our generation, like Justin Rose. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I, I mean, in the, in the, the mental challenges is all part of that too. Right. Yeah. The constant challenge to prove yourself right or wrong or whatever it is. And, and it's just, you just can't report, you cannot replace replicate the experiences we have with the people we love or the courses we get to play or the events we get to do or the conversations we get to have. So, yep. I mean, I just, you know, it's not like I've done a lot of things and there's a lot of fun things to do in this world, but for me, that's, those are my drugs of choice for as when it comes yeah, to golf. You know? Totally. Yeah. hundred so, percent. So build me, off that ever. Yeah. Go so on why, a sideways direction. Go, let's see it. Let's see what you get. Well, okay. So I'm not going to go from the very beginning to spare you the listener, but let me give you valuable context for me that you might be able to relate to sports being from the Midwest. If you're from the Midwest, you'll get it. Yeah. 
sports is uh is kind of everything growing up like we're not going to the beach you're watching sports you're playing sports you're running around the neighborhood you're competing and luckily for me i was always very athletic and so from a very early age i was always one of the best baseball players and i played on a travel team and you know we beat the second best team in the country in the in our version of the little league world series it was called the little league world series it was not the one on tv but there's many different iterations of it and you know i was on the travel team and we held the banner in the opening ceremonies and it was probably the most fun athletic thing that i ever did is playing competitive little league baseball i mean it's a it's a really especially someone from st louis where baseball is that is life it was always a really exciting thing. So my North star was to play college and pro baseball. That was my dream. And I was a bit of a late bloomer, like my dad, and my brother, I was probably five, six, five, seven as a senior in high school, five, two as a freshman, you know, you could say I had a little bit of a little man syndrome. I was like, well, if I'm not going to be the biggest, I'm going to be the strongest. So I started working out like crazy and yep. lost my speed and long story short there, like I never became the baseball player that I wanted to be. Okay. So long story short, I broke my elbow my junior season. I ended up never playing an inning of varsity baseball. I was going to win my spot at second base junior year, junior season of high school. I was going to prove the coach wrong. He was going to go with the senior. I didn't think the senior was very good. So I was a gamer. Like I was ready to just perform. And my first chance to perform at the tournament in St. Petersburg, Florida, I broke my elbow. And I never played baseball again. So I say this story because actually looking back, I've, I've talked a lot about this with my personal coach that I talk to every week is my identity was surrounded around being an athlete, right? I do other things well, but that was kind of how I always saw myself was an athlete. We'll get to what you don't enjoy about golf later, but I think all of the struggles that I've had in golf that everybody's experienced, I think sometimes strike me a little deeper because mm -hmm. this is my chance to quote chance to integrate my athleticism into something that I can play for the rest of my life. That baseball wasn't, it almost feels like you, how you said it would kind of feel like it was for nothing. It would feel like a disservice. There's a similar emotion there for me with golf because I didn't quite make it as far as I thought I could have in baseball. Does that make sense? Sure. Why did I start playing golf? Why did I want to play golf? I think I started playing golf because I didn't like being bad at something. Yeah. Cause you, you played a little bit in high school, a little bit on the team. So I, the, the you, year you were, I broke my around elbow, some good, really good players like Ryan or yeah, Ryan, our mutual buddy. best buddy was yeah. the number one on our high school team. And I had no business trying out for the golf team my senior year, but I did because I wanted to be with my buddies and the golf team didn't have a tournament spring break senior year. So we could all go to Mexico. <laughs> Baseball had a spring break trip where you're practicing and playing games every day in Florida. So at that point in my life, classic high schooler, you like, you want to party and have fun with your friends. And I just wanted to have more fun baseball in high school. The coaches, they didn't really make it fun anymore. It got to be a job. It was very serious, but high school golf was very carefree and fun. And I was with all my buddies played. So I made the team just because they were the number one. And I think I remember Ryan literally telling the coach, like, 
Evan will be a good locker room guy. Like I didn't, cause I played terrible in the, in the tryouts. Cause I was filled with tension. He's, he's um, a culture. He's a culture guy. I was a culture guy. So he's they a brought game, me could in. be a gamer. Get him I on the team. One, <laughs> I had one really great varsity match. We can talk about at some point, but I think I started then because I hated being bad and my competitiveness drove me to get better. I've never, and still to this day, I'll go to the range every day. I'll go twice a day. I'll practice in the mirror. I'll putt. I've done it all. Grinder. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I will work to get better because I think I want to become, I've always felt like I could become a scratch player because of my athleticism, my mindset and my ability to work at it. Like I'll, sure. I'll work people. So that's why it can get frustrating when you don't see, you know, time is a big thing. I think we're going to get into of why you maybe don't enjoy it, but why do I play now? One of our most popular posts and tweets ever on the par train, it's been shared tens of thousands of times is that golf could save the world in six ways based on a good one. how a golf foursome is. You start as strangers, you struggle together, you encourage each other, you laugh, you tell stories, you leave as friends. I definitely love that shared struggle experience together. I think it bonds people more than anything in the world. But I think I play for the joy of a perfect shot, the joy of hitting a good one. There's kind of the the chase. Yeah, the chase of hitting a good one, seeing a good one, trying to do it again, but also the mental challenge and the mental learnings that I gain as a human Mm -hmm. from what I play. But I want to call something out because one of my coaching clients, one of my players, I just had my first call with him this week. I'm not going to call him out his name as out of respect to him, but I asked him the same question. Why do you play? And he said, mental toughness. And he kind of works in the people development space. And we realized towards the end of the call that any shot he mishits because of a lack of focus or a mental mistake, he becomes a shell of himself. He goes internal he gets quiet and he's an extrovert and he gets super down on himself. And why is that? To my point at the, at the beginning, it's because he prides himself on being mentally tough. So if your identity is surrounded sure. around that, I've struggled with this as well, especially this past year, which I've talked a lot about. Oh yeah. Is it's almost flipping the script of instead of getting down on yourself because of a mental mistake, how can we get excited to bounce back after a mental mistake? Because guess what? realizing it's a mental mistake and having that awareness means you're ahead of most people anyways. So the fact that you know, it's a mental mistake is a success, but the reason why it feels painful is because you identify with the opposite, right? Yep. I'll pause and see what you think there. I've, I've gone through. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of similar, you know? Yeah. I think we, we both identified as athletes growing up. Yep. Maybe the part you didn't really cover is, but you saw yourself, when you started playing in college, post college, get pretty good, pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I think I broke eighty in college, and I started playing really in high school. Just, yeah, yeah, like my senior year of high school. So it, it, that I think that that's a so within you know, a talk about a kickstart of inspiration for you. Yeah, two to three years, I broke eighty. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, I think it's. I think we're similar. We love the learn. We love the learnings from this game. We love the chase of playing good golf. I think we love to grind part of our athletic identity. I think a lot of people would say similar stuff, maybe some different, but, but yeah, no, I think it's good. Ev. 
All right, guys, stay seated. I got a big question for you, okay? Have you ever wondered what happens to Torpro's equipment after they stop using it? No, like seriously, what happens to their old wedges, their old irons? Well, guess what? I got an answer for you and good news. You might be able to get them in your bag yourself, okay? Our friends at TaylorMade Golf have an app called My TaylorMade Plus. We've talked about it for the past few weeks. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And if you download the app, US people only, I'm sorry, international friends, we're working on it. Tap the shop icon in the bottom right of the app and then tap tour trash in the top right. You have a chance right now to win Tommy Fleetwood's P773R. Pretty sweet, right? I think last month, Colin Morikawa's wedge was on there. So not only that, that's just the beginning. By getting two months premium access for free, thanks to yours truly, you're welcome. All you got to do is download the app, MyTaylorMade Plus, enter the code TRAIN, and then you can also get access to the exclusive drop section of the shop tab, which means you get access to all their custom golf ball drops, head covers, you name it. They're always putting really cool stuff on there, and you can only buy it if you're a premium user on MyTaylorMade Plus, okay? So go download MyTaylorMade Plus app. The link is in our show notes of this episode, or it's always linked in our bio on Instagram at the Partrain. Tap that circle in the top right after you download it. Your initials should be there. Click manage and then enter the code train and you'll get two months of premium access on the app, okay? Not only will you get free access to all of this equipment, merch, the coaching we talked about before, free coaching for two months, that's worth thousands of dollars. You'll also be eligible for a brand new Stealth 2 Plus driver. This is crazy, right? All you gotta do is download the MyTailMade Plus app, enter that code train, and take advantage of all this amazing stuff that you gain access to just by downloading and entering the code. So DM me on Instagram. I know there's been some confusion around where to enter the code. DM me if you have questions at the par train and we'll get you set up, okay? That Stealth 2 driver giveaway ends on May 15th, 2023. Just keep that in mind. But I know you guys are gonna love this app. I love it, so enjoy it. Let's get back to the show. So when do you enjoy the game most? What helps you enjoy the ride? What does enjoying the ride mean to you? And this is where I really try to put some thought into this. Nobody likes to play bad golf, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in it to get better at the game, there is a reflection on your results, right? There's your handicap, tally up all 18 holes. You're only as good as you, know, you were the day before. We're also going to have bad days and it's how we respond from those bad days, those bad rounds, those bad shots. What do we say? Ev, if you can smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. What mm -hmm. does that mean? That's not really easy to do. And, you know, I was thinking about when I was a kid, my, I'd come off a tournament round or whatever, and had a bad day. My dad would go and tell him about it. And he would say, well, did you at least have fun out there? And a hundred percent of the time I would say yes, but I didn't always mean it. <laughs> yeah, dad, I had fun, you know, because I wanted to be grateful, you know, and all, and he's right. You know, if you're not having fun, I'm not forcing you to do this. So you, you got to find the fun. But the days that I, I meant it, where I, you know, shot up the score that I didn't want, it was those days where I knew that I prepared for this round the way that I'm supposed to prepare, whether it was I got, got a good sleep, I stretched, I ate a good breakfast, I warmed up. I knew the course. I played a practice and I studied the course, but I just didn't have it. Now, when you don't have it, that means you might make some mental mistakes out there. You might make some decisions you shouldn't have. You know what's um, interesting about that, sir? 
I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. It could also be the funny thing about that is I'm doing all the right things. So this should lead to good results, which makes you so attached on every swing because you're not actually accepting that it's a game of mistakes and how can you manage it best versus no, 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 I deserve good results. I'm doing all the right things, right? You hear tour pros talk about that. I'm doing exactly. all the right things, but I'm not seeing the results. If we expect the results, we can get in our way no matter what we do. Right. And there's days where the putts are just not going to drop and the breaks are not going to go your way. And maybe it was two holes that did you in. But if I did all those things leading up to my round and I had a good routine throughout the round and a good plan and I just didn't do it, I was okay. Because I think at a, playing golf at enough, even at a young age, playing enough golf at a high level, you got to realize... Well, I think maybe I did a decent job of that. You're just going to struggle at times. <laughs> you know, right. I think it's easier to learn that as you get older. But um, but the days that I I skipped chipping in bunker in my warm-up, didn't look at the scorecard correctly, or, you know, I didn't – I knew my routine was getting quick, or I was talking too much to my player and competitors, or I was freaking out or getting down. I would sometimes – I mean, I was pretty good, but I, was, I would get more down than mad. Or I was just caught up in the pressure of the moment, whether it was – the state tournament or the sectional tournament or, or the plantation toward the AJJ. That's what, and, and that led to pressure and tension and poor swings and poor shots, poor results. That's what I didn't have. Wasn't having fun because I knew I wasn't like, you know what you're supposed to do. And it's all the preparation. And it's all about being present out in the golf course. Yeah. Why couldn't you do that? What, what is your problem? You know, and it's frustrating. Why, what, you know, that's kind of, well, a yeah, if, I, if the reaction response is what is your problem? Then, and yeah, that doesn't feel good. And you know, you let's you don't you didn't warm up correctly, you didn't stretch, you went to bed too late, and you have a first couple of bad holes. You start you start making excuses. And I'll, I'll say this: so I played squash. And this is a great example. It hit me this morning as I knew we were going to this episode. I played squash this morning. Now, granted, I'm playing squash. I'm a decent player, but it's a competitive thing. I'm playing against somebody a couple times a week. I want to try to beat the hell out of each other. Mm. You know, granted, I'm not you know playing competitively around, but it's like our own competitions. But, and I was playing a guy that was better than me, but you know, I went out to dinner last night, ate a big steak, had a glass or two of red wine, slept in. I played 7am, slept in a little bit too long, cut into my stretching time before the match playing against a better player. I get on, I'm down four, one right away in the first, first game. And I'm already going, Oh, you're tight. You just, just, you know, I'm just running through all the things that I didn't do yeah, to set me up for day, which I should have been. And should I had a salad for dinner? I'm playing a guy who's much better than me. And I, mm-hmm. I care about winning. I lost three nothing. You play best of five. I got smoked. I should at least got a game, maybe a second. But I was just like, this is not fun. I am not enjoying myself today. This is not enjoyable. But if I did all the right things, like I said, and got beat, okay. See, that's so- rooted in you <laughs> as a person, right? Is you hate the feeling of knowing you could have done more. And it's all so self, like, it's it's my choices. Yeah. So Not playing all, with anybody. So <laughs> being prepared is a big one for you. How often you talk about your routine on the show, right? A lot. So that's layered into who you are. So just to be clear for the listener, it is not playing bad squash that made Cermak not enjoy himself. It was his opinion and and relationship with not preparing and then not playing well that led to him reacting that way. Correct. And that's why it's important to understand the why, because it's not the what that makes you feel bad 
on the golf course. It's the stories you're telling yourself. I'll get to mine in a bit. It's the stories you tell yourself about that thing going wrong that makes you feel bad. It's your response to the events. It's not the event. Right. Right. Guess what? There is someone that would play squash the way you played and lost and be thrilled to play the way you played. Sure. Right. Sure. We could say that about our golf games. A hundred people are amazed by the way I hit the ball. And I'm like, Basiri just told me that, you know, Basiri was on my uh, yeah. bachelor party. Up, Matt um, I went to his bachelor party this past weekend. All oh. he wanted to do was play golf. He briefed on that. We'll talk. We'll talk. Off yeah. Later. And he goes, dude, I have always wished I hit the ball like you. And I'm like, really? Dude, well, yeah. you don't, you haven't seen how I've hit it this past year, but to him, like the distance differences and maybe the way I can press oh, it, how high you can hit it. Yeah. He has always, I didn't know that. So I think it's actually really helpful sometimes to hear what other people would think. And remember, someone would always love to have your game. There's people that start in this game, can't hit the ball. Now, obviously you've had certain experiences up to this point. You'd like to see it get better, not go the other way. So we're constantly comparing ourselves against who we've been. Right. And who we want to be. Yeah. Which creates the non-enjoyment part. Totally. And so when I know even to this day, it's the same story, golf, squash, whatever golf is what we're talking about. If, if I don't do the little things that I know I need to do to prepare for the round and I'm not, you know, doing my routine on the course and we know what happens when you're not, at least for me, and I'm sure you two have, and a lot of you guys listening, when I have bad rounds sometimes, and I just can't get my routine. I can't focus right. It's because I got shit going on off the course. You know, I've got something going on. You cannot enjoy the ride on the golf course if you are if there's a level of stress you're dealing with from something off the golf course, right? And I just wanted to point that out too. Like, oh, just go enjoy the ride and have fun today. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I got to, you know, who knows what your stress is, right? I got a massive car payment coming up or, or, you know, my boss has been yelling at me or I'm struggling with my girlfriend. Like, so it's kind of that blend for me. I will not enjoy the ride. I will struggle to enjoy the ride. If I'm not preparing, you know, being present and being solid off, off the course. So don't tell me to enjoy it because I'll tell me that guy, <laughs> you know, but there's going to be times where I guess maybe your preparation is a little off and you got to get through it, but it really wears on me. It really, cause I know I'm better than that. I know I've done it. You know, I've, you know, if I have a bad day, I have a bad day, but Hey, I went to bed early. Didn't yeah. drink last night. I, I stretched, I warmed up a full warm up, you know, <laughs> yeah. ate a full breakfast. First well, of all, ask you know, this. take a bad swing and didn't eat, I didn't eat breakfast. Oh, it's cause I'm, I didn't eat breakfast. Got an excuse already. Let me ask oh. you this. <laughs> you see, you see how he's being hard on himself. These are like our own stories. So that tells me that maybe Cermak doesn't love that. He doesn't do the things he says he's going to do sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's integrated into who you are. Let me ask you this. Have you ever played well? waking up, not getting a lot of sleep, drinking the night before. Okay. So then, so then it's not always a, a to B guaranteed thing. For sure. Right. For sure. I figured there's times I figured out, you have to figure it out. It's just, it's just harder to, to enjoy yourself, take, take yourself seriously, but maybe that's a lesson too. Right. Ev about, we talk about taking ourselves overly seriously. And what about you, Ev? I want to make sure I understand. So when have you enjoyed the game the most when have you been happiest on the course 
Is it um, when you get the most out of a round or is it those dream rounds? I'm, 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 I'm happiest on the course when, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's, we love playing with people we enjoy. Right. Yeah. But a company's big and that can make things exceptional, but no, I'm happiest when I just feel like I've done all that I can do to set myself up and I'm in it and I put myself in a good, healthy frame of mind, right? Starts with the preparation before the round and I am in tune with my routine. I am doing the things that I can control. We talk about the controls, right? And then I might go hit that six iron into the water, right? I might do lift that four footer, three putt from 20 feet, but have a much better chance of getting to the next hole and making a great swing because I can just chalk it up, you know? So, you know, it's kind of like your guy, you're coaching too, making mental mistakes in your routine, in your decisions that can, that can wear on you. And I, it can wear on me, you know, because I realize, I know I'm not, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not the best player in the country. I'm not the best player. In the, I don't play. I'm, you know, I, I, I think I know what my limitations are a little bit, Yeah. but I know when I'm really in tune with myself and my preparation and my mental game, I can be pretty good. Isn't know? it interesting how our, I'll call it disenjoyment. I don't, what, what's the other word for that? Like what's the opposite? of not enjoying it, I guess, being miserable on the course, feeling, feeling down on the course, feeling like you're, you don't want to be out there. Let's just say that it's so funny how you go to how you used to be. You go to your peak, right? You're a D one college player. You're better than this with me. I go back to being an athlete and also being a much lower handicap at a certain time. So I think it's human nature for us to always compare ourselves versus our best and maybe get down on ourselves and criticize ourselves versus like, what does Brett McCabe talk about a lot with his players, sports psychologists with, of John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Sam Burns, you name it. He's probably coached them. They talk about the thing the most is getting the most out of their B and C game. So they almost have an excitement around not having it where we immediately think I lost it. Right. I can't believe I don't have it. You see the difference now it's a lot easier to talk about than do. And that's the whole purpose of this show. And I think that's what I love the most about golf is I know that I can go out there and I know when I'm getting in my own way. And I think to answer the original question of when do I not enjoy myself the most? It's when I know I'm getting in my own way and I keep doing it as as it relates to mechanics, maybe. Yeah. I get into, um, I, I just did it this past weekend. I just, in our notes today, I said, you cannot enjoy the ride when trying to force mechanical positions on the golf course, yeah. assuming you care about the final score. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's so if you don't care about the score. If you don't care about the final score, go ahead. Yeah. Right? Work on something. So go but ahead. isn't it funny that we believe these false beliefs that I can't swing unless I get the club here. I've been there yet. I've proven it so many times that I can hit the ball. As long as I can achieve freedom and reduce tension, I can hit the ball. But guess what happens when I get mechanical and I get quote player side, I get really tense and it's not a natural feeling. And so, yeah, that's my Achilles heel. I've never quote, understood the takeaway, gotten a takeaway that I think feels good, that 
I can go to. I'm constantly tinkering. Sometimes it's really hard to not take that to the course. You know, we talked about that with many guests. And so that's the biggest challenge for me. And it's a challenge of self-belief. And I'll say this, it's really easy to not believe in yourself when you consistently see the same misses and you don't know how to fix it. Well, let me ask you this. Let's yeah. go back to that round you played a week ago. You just, you just played, you were thinking about your hand position to stop at the top and you, and you really just played poorly. Yeah. I'm sure there was some good shots in the round, even though it was a terrible day. When you hit those good shots, you think, oh, I got it right there. It probably was. You don't really know. Yeah, you don't know. You're right. I probably felt like, oh, yeah, I must have done that thing that time. And then when you hit the, the really poor shots, you're like, I just can't get this. I can't feel this. I can't. Yeah. I can't swing like this. And that Yeah, because when there's holds. tension for me, like most amateurs, the club gets outside of the hands on the way down the club head. So it's it's coming outside. It doesn't have as much room. My body stalls out. The face can't is release. open. It either hooks or it blocks, right? Most amateur golfers have experienced that. So I mean, professional golfers have golfers. Too, too. I mean, yeah. in terms of club face control, lack of. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it can be really frustrating to be quote, trying a lot of feels, trying a lot of different things and getting the same results, you know? So, um, going back to like, how can we actually enjoy the ride? I think we have to get really clear. It's so cliche, but goddamn does it need to be an every round reminder playing golf? You need to play golf, right? It is so different than what you do at the range. It is 1000% different. And, and, you know, do you I want think, to try golf or do you want to play golf? And let's really make this clear. Okay. Do We've wanna... never said this on the show. I've always heard that, but I think there's always been a part of me inside. That's like, yeah, yeah. But like, but, but I need that thing it's worked on the range so clearly it works but then how often do i get to the round and i'm trying different stuff mid-round because i'm trying to find something i will tell you 1000 percent of the time 1000 out of 1000 times if you are changing things in round mid-round it's not going to work you are going to spiral out of control you're going to lose confidence. You are going to increase your tension. You are going to become more miserable and you're going to want to leave. That's well said, Ev, because the goal is well, a lot. Oftentimes when we hit those poor shots, we're, we're filled with tension, right? It was in our wrists. It was in our arms. Uncertainty. We don't know what to do. We didn't maybe like what we thought that was a scary shot. We didn't make a good turn, right? It's all those things. So it's getting back to making tensionless swings, but it's how you get back to that. Right. Going through a routine, committing to the shot, taking a deep but that's breath. That's why as opposed to, well, I just really got to get that, those hands up there, you know, right. over that right shoulder and vertical. Right. And we just make right. an example for you, you know, but it could be anything. For you. All right. Stay seated. Keep the seat belts fastened. We'll get you right back to the show. But first I just wanted you guys to know something. I got your back. Okay, a lot of people I know have used our promo code for Red Rooster Golf Gloves, aka the best performing golf club per my golf spy. Pretty amazing feat to get within a year, year and a half of being in business. Anyways, the Red Rooster team and I chatted and we got you a new code. So if you've used it before, guess what? 
you can get 20% off again. Here's how it's going to work. Okay. There's two new styles that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And I know you guys will be too. One is the whiteout. Maybe the only all white golf glove in golf. I don't know. You guys can fact check me on that. So fresh, so clean to quote outcast for you or the freeze. The freeze glove is pearl white leather with a hint of baby blue mixed in. And I'll tell you, both gloves are absolutely money. I sometimes just wear them around the house because I love them that much. So go to redroostergolf.com slash train, enter the code train 20, and you'll get 20% off either, either one of these gloves through the end of May, 2023. So a little pro tip, if you're listening to this after May, 2023, just check our Instagram at the par train and we'll either have a new code in our bio or just DM me and I'll help you out. So redroostergolf.com slash train enter the code train 20 and get 20% off either the whiteout or the freeze glove from now through the end of May, 2023. Enjoy that guys. All right, let's get back to the show. When it comes to enjoying the ride and enjoying yourself, no matter what, I think we'd all agree there's nothing worse than going to the course and realizing you wasted your day hmm. and you yeah. go home and you feel terrible and you feel lost and you think, why do I put so much time into this? And you're why just do I like, spend so much you're, money a moped, on you're a moped dinner with your significant other, your friend. It's, it's just, it kills us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because of that feeling, those stories that I just said. I put so much time into this, your point about I didn't prepare or I even did prepare and I still didn't get it. So that's, I think, what I love about the game is the game doesn't owe us anything. Golf is unforgiving. It's the most most revealing, right, F? (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's the most beautiful part of the game because if I can learn through golf that I can go to the course and do everything right and still struggle but then I can go to the course with an entirely new mindset, not expecting anything. And I can touch the dragon and feel the magic. That is a lesson where you don't expect anything. You just do the work. You do the thing that you think works for you. You let all that other noise be noise and you stay in your lane. I think that's really what golf teaches us. I find that I enjoy the game most when I stick to my process, it's, it's almost like it's a gratifying, it's like an accomplishment more than the score. It is more gratifying to me to know that I focused on something and no matter how many fearful thoughts I had, I knew that if I have good tempo and all I focus on is really good tempo or I stay in my posture or something more sensory like Pia and Lynn taught us, is if you go into more sensory states instead of positional, you can play golf all day that way. Just like life, you can be in these challenging situations. You can be in a tension-filled relationship. You can get a bad email from your boss, but it's a mindfulness practice. You can see it and you can choose to do what is best for you. Correct. That is what golf teaches you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's easy. That is the hardest thing in the world to feel one thing and do something else. But you know, like, for example, I know in my short game, sir, that if I use my body and I release my tension and I move my chest to that target, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to chunk or scold that ball. Solid. Am I going to misjudge the distance sometimes? Solid Maybe. Contact, right? Yeah. Maybe. 
But when I have a pressure packed moment around the greens, whether it's a member guest or just for a few bucks with someone, I know, okay, yes. Do I really want to put this close? Yes. Do I not want to mess up? Yes. Are all those thoughts coming at once? Yes. But guess what? The work, the whole point of this show is to teach you that, okay, what am I trying to do here? All I got to do is light hands, move my chest to the target. And then under the biggest pressure, you can pull off a shot and everybody thinks you're clutch. Everybody thinks you've got that gene. You did it. Hooray for you. But guess what? All you had was the skill of knowing what to focus on. 100%. I love it. I mean, we can all be pretty decent at this game. It's, and it's all relevant based on handicap, right? We can all hit a lot of good misses. Yeah. Because that is the goal, right, Ev? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it is so hard to hit it solid all the time. I remember we were at, uh, you and I were playing down in Florida. Part five, dog leg, right? So actually the whole, I escaped from the trees. We got the video on. Oh, yeah. Uh, but before that, I pulled the hell out of that tee shot. And that was the first tee shot. I really, it really looked pretty ugly. I got a little lucky, actually. I get pulled out a little bit more on maybe the lost ball. But you said after, like, you looked at the guys in the group, like, this guy hates that shot. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> he hates it. I go, it he left. hates missing it. I was like, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> I think in times in the past, or that came out, of, that shot came out of nowhere. I was, I was smoking my three wood, my driver, and like, whoa, where did that come from? But as I look back, I remember thinking about that shot. I was like, well, I tried to tee it up a little low. I tried to kind of steer it out there, hit something kind of, you know, little low cut. Getting cute. Getting, then I it's short par five. Don't do anything. I was like, kind of don't do anything crazy aggressive. And what did I do? I just steered into the guy the hell of it. Yeah. A, a lot. It's easy for anybody, for you, for me. You, oh my God. Where that left shot is here. Yeah. What, it, what am I doing? Well, isn't it funny? Can I not make a good turn? Can I not get that? Why, the club's so laid off. Yeah. But, you see how it, like, so see this? I bet you, you wouldn't have had that reaction if you tried to kill it and you got a little quick. 100%. Versus trying to get cute and did something mental. So you right. see how that reaction to our listeners? This is, see, yes. See, see how the reaction is because he's frustrated with himself for having the wrong mental approach and he knew that that was avoidable. So then we get down on ourselves for it instead of what did Ted Lasso say? Be curious, <laughs> not judgmental. Right. Yeah. So then if you got curious with that moment, again, not easy, but it's a more productive thought. Forget positive thinking, go productive thinking. From there, you can say, oh, yeah, I got cute. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's, well, I know right. I don't need to get cute here. It's a par five. Yeah. I mean, I got, I, I got less assertive, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got I, defensive. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's be offensive on the next one. Boom, you're good to go. Right, right. right? But when we... And I actually got a little defensive on the next shot, put myself in trouble, and then said, I'm in the trees, and this is the lesson of the video, right? Yeah. Hey, when you're in the trees, have fun, see what you can do. And I hit the... You I hit... I made the working man's birdie. A draw, <laughs> yeah. punch, wedge. Hard draw, punch, wedge to like five feet. Right, I did that, but I couldn't keep the layup in the fairway with a five iron... Just trying to hit 170 yards, right? Because that was a little guidey too. Like, because you committed, you got offensive, you you got really clear on what you're so trying like, to do. So the Ted Lasso know. quote's big though, right? It's fun, yeah. Ted Lasso. But wait a second, really step back. What just went through with your mind and your body and your soul on the, over that shot? Yeah, and move 
figure it out. It's more mental than it is physical and mm -hmm. move on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I love this episode. I think people are going to get a lot out of it. I think the main takeaways for me is everyone's different. So you got to understand what your narratives and your stories are that you're telling yourself. And you got to get back to basics and simplistic. You can work on the game as much as you want, but you can't do it on the course, hmm. you know? So because curiosity instead of judgment and free yourself up as much as you can. Look, if anyone understands what it's like to go out on the course and feel deathly afraid that it's going to be one of those days that you can't hit the ball and people know you got a golf podcast and people are like, you spent all this time on this game and you keep blocking it 60 yards, right? I know how that feels. Okay. But that's the, you know, I'm going to learn so much from those experiences. That's going to help this show and help me become a better person. So I can't judge why I'm going through these painful experiences. I just have to have faith that it's teaching me something I'm meant to learn. And all I can do is keep doing my process, forgive myself and get curious, not judgmental. And that's really exactly it. we have, we have to just know how to respond. Right. Yeah. And that's so really get clear on why you enjoy the ride. What prevents you from not enjoying the ride? Think about what rounds have I had the most disappointment and shame? What rounds did I have the most fun? What was go it's what was going on with you then? Right. And remember, it's not just low score, high score. It's what about the low score did you love? And what about the high score did you not? Right. Really ask yourself, really there's more to the story. What are the stories that you're telling yourself? Because remember, it's not the result. It's the response. So I hope that I know this will help a lot of people. If it does and we add some value, first of all, DM us on Instagram at the part train. Tell us your stories. We'd love to hear them. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps and it means a lot. And some uh, reviews lately. Thanks, guys, for those. Yeah. And no matter yeah. how down you're feeling, sir, no matter what you're telling yourself, what do they got to do? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.